Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Question, do you test the uterine wall to make sure it's receptive? Can you also do a uterine scratch test? Right, okay. Controversial stuff. Can we test the receptivity? Yes, we can. It's rare that we find a problem. There are very sophisticated tests that cost a lot of money because they're sent overseas to be done looking at gene uh, expression in the, in, the endo- in the endometrium, and they say they can fingerprint the best time. They've just presented some ran- a, a big study to see what works, and it doesn't. It doesn't change the pregnancy rates. So uh, that's that's been a a change in view. Basic receptivity is related to the hormone pattern. And in most women who have have 14 days between releasing the egg and having a period, that pattern is very, very consistent. And receptivity, which lasts for somewhere between 24 and 36 hours uh, for an embryo to arrive at the uterus, that window of opportunity is quite wide, 36 hours, and and the uterus uh, adapts a little bit, we believe, um, to that. So as a cause for not getting pregnant, uterine receptivity is becoming less and less thought to be a major factor. What was the other part of that question, um, uh, can you also do a uterine scratch test? All right. Okay. Well, the uterine scratch isn't a, it, it will. The uterine scratch can produce a sample which you can send off to look under the microscope simply by a pathologist to say that the cells are consistent with the right time of the cycle. If you are asking the question, are you trying to scratch as a therapeutic test, something that would make give you increase your chances of pregnancy? While there was some enthusiasm for that five years ago, now large randomized studies suggest it makes no difference whatsoever. It's gone out of favor as a as, as something to do. I've got a bunch here, Prof, but I'll just try and keep them as much together as possible. Question from Rainbow. Thank you, Doc. Why PGS normal embryo sometimes still doesn't work in terms of pregnancy? Does immune protocol like taking prednisone help to prevent this? And also, does taking metformin help with the egg quality? When to take it prior IVF or before egg pickup? Thank you. Okay, there's a lot of things in there. Why doesn't an embryo that's genetically normal attach? Well, we had an international expert from America do a webinar only last week talking to doctors in Australia. He was a pioneer or in the, in the unit that pioneered uh, PGD in America and in New York. And uh, he took us through all the things that possibly could prevent a euploid embryo attaching. Their best pregnancy rates with euploid embryo are around 60%. That's better than the 40% in the background population. So there is some advantage in doing the PGS uh, type approach, but it certainly doesn't guarantee you a pregnancy. 
but he went through everything, immune stuff, shape of the uterus, and um, uterine and receptivity, and basically showed us uh, scientific uh, papers that showed that really none of them make any difference. The two things that perhaps make a little difference is uh, a woman's age. So even though you've got a euploid embryo, if you're 45 and you're lucky enough to get a euploid embryo, your pregnancy rate will be less than that 60%, more like 40%, compared with a 35-year-old lady who has a euploid embryo put back. So age is one. And the second was the, the evidence is pretty clear that if you are more than 90 kilos or 95 kilos, uh, a euploid embryo, for some reason, has less chance of implanting. It's probably about the environment. You ask about immune causes. Now, there is a substantial controversy. No one's ever done a randomized controlled trial, which is the the absolute evidence for something working or not working. Uh, and I'm afraid no one's ever done that with prednisolone and immune issues. There are doctors that hand it out like lollies who believe in it because they think there's nothing else to be done. Uh, I certainly use them, and, um, and, but I generally only use it for patients where we show some aberration of the immune system. But uh, the problem with testing the immune system is there are, there are 25 or 30 different markers. And if you do 25 or 30 tests, you'll always find something's not quite right. It's biology. There are doctors around um, who call themselves reproductive immunologists uh, who do find that one in 30 tests um, and therefore say you're immune and give you all sorts of immune therapies. The outcomes of which are somewhat debatable in terms of the safety for the baby. Certainly prednisolone, there have been studies that suggest that cleft lip and cleft palate are more common in those babies. It's not without its risks, but you know when you're desperate to give you pregnant and you failed a number of cycles, checking that out in a proper immune system uh, testing um, is worthwhile and then potentially using prednisolone uh, with doctors who understand what they're doing, not just using it as a, almost a placebo. I've got a follow-up comment from... Annalisa, she says, I agree with you. Small doses is better. I'm very determined to not give up. I'm taking NMN one gram per day. I hope I got that right. Yeah. Which studies have shown to improve egg production. What do you think about it? They haven't been shown to improve egg production in humans. From, from our own university, we have uh, uh, studies in mice that have shown that old mice given that type of drug get more eggs than their equivalent older mice cohort um, and the number of genetic abnormalities in those eggs seems to be less than in their uh, equivalent cohort of older mice and be very similar to younger mice but no human studies have actually been done. That particular drug is broken down quite quickly and those people that are studying it at our university and do not think that it's particularly active. It does no harm, but the evidence that does any good is debatable. Do I need to lose weight before my transfer? Does age matter? And how soon can you repeat IVF? After delivering, can you do another round of IVF if you have no embryos left? How soon after a baby? Well, probably if you're breastfeeding, you probably shouldn't have a cycle while you're breastfeeding because the hormones are all a little bit all over the place. So I always say you've got to wean before that. But if you haven't been breastfeeding, once you've re-established your regular menstrual cycle, it's fine to go ahead and have a new uh, IVF cycle. 
or a new frozen embryo cycle if you've got one left. Losing weight, it's always good to lose weight. And as I, I was saying earlier, when the evidence when you put a, a genetically normal embryo back is they, there's more success in if you're under the 95 kilo mark. In terms of age, I think I've already said all that. Yeah, I mean, age is, is number one. Fortunately, women have been created by whoever created us. Our creator has given all women all the eggs they get before they're born. And then by the time you're 50, they've all gone. So there's this decline of from somewhere around uh, two or three million eggs that are laid down when you're inside your mother's womb to zero over that 50 years. As you head towards the end of that downward trend, the other thing that happens is the egg quality itself also declines. And so age, therefore, has a huge impact on egg quality as well as numbers. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.